Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We've been preaching around the book of Ephesians, and, and Paul very clearly talks about how he entered the story that Jesus had entered into. Jesus entered the story some 2,000 years ago, and it's why we celebrate Christmas. We don't celebrate Christmas because of the presents. We don't celebrate Christmas because of the big meals. We don't celebrate Christmas because we get all the family together, but those are all great byproducts of this one thing, Jesus of this one man, Jesus, who entered the story some 2,000 years ago so that you and I can enter the story. Because here's the deal. The reality is this. So many people in the world today are just walking around in the matrix, so to speak. They're just getting by, trying to get by, just trying to make it. But that's not how God has called us to live. It's not how God wants us to live, and it's certainly not how God created us to live. He created us to be in the story. That's why he stepped into the story and gave his life for us so that you and I can step into the story and... See, this is where we get caught up a little bit, so that you and I can step into the story and that we can give our lives to others. See, because this whole thing called life is not about you. It's about Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm going to give my life for you so that you might give a piece of your life for another. So in this Advent season, we've asked our church, we've said, and we've taught around these principles of dying to yourself and and stepping into this story that God has. It's not too late, though. That's the beauty of it, because you're getting ready to leave this place and have the big dinners with all the family that really tick you off. And, you know, the political arguments get going and the church arguments get going, all those things. And you have an opportunity to step into that story and bring the hope and peace of Jesus. I challenge you today, as you leave this place, to step into that story. This Advent season, uh, the last piece of Advent is, is joy. Now, Stella, uh, she posed a question, and it was a critical question when she's up. And I don't know if you caught it, but Stella, you had a, a great opening there. But it was like, what's in a name, she said. And she proceeded to talk about Jesus, but she asked the question, what's in a name? Now, it's interesting because names are critical. They're crucial. We see that in every aspect of our uh, being. I, actually, I was this morning, um, as I was studying, my, the way my mind works is I can't just study. I study, and then I take a break and, and read news. And then I study, and then I take a break, and I walk around. And I study and take a break and drink my eighth cup of coffee. And, and that's how it works. So in my second break this morning, I'm reading a story about uh, Oshani. How do you pronounce it? The, the baseball pitch for the Dodgers. Just signed with the Dodgers. Did I say it right? Otani? Baseball. It's baseball, so I don't know names. It was hockey guys. It was Gretzky. I know that name, okay? But uh, so apparently, well, he just signed with the Dodgers. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. $700 million contract. But uh, one of the players on the team had his number, number 17. 
and had his, his number that is attached to his name. His whole name throughout his career has been attached to this number, so it was near and dear to him. So in order to try to get him to the Dodgers before he had signed, I, I don't remember the player's name, the player who was number 17, his wife did a little TikTok talking about, if you'll come to the Dodgers, we'll give you, we'll give you our jersey name, and, and we want you and all this stuff. To which he ended up signing, and they gave him his number so his name would be attached to number 17. And then the article went on to talk about how uh, uh, Otani, uh, Otani, okay, thank you, I'm getting it right, um, showed up at their house this week with a brand new Porsche 911 for his wife. His name was so important to attach to that number that, that he bought her a $150,000, $200,000 Porsche because she gave him that number. Our names are critical. That's otherwise, we wouldn't have them on the backs of our jerseys. Our names are important because it's a way that we communicate with one another by name. Could you imagine if there's no names? It'd just be straight, hey, you. Our names are important because it's the way we communicate about one another. Our names are important because we, we know who we're talking about when we attach a name to it. Throughout history, our names have been important. And we see in the Bible, and the Bible reiterates this fact, that our names stand for the essence of who we are. And without getting into it, we see time and time again where God takes someone, and when they get changed, Saul, and changes it to Paul. Because he has this encounter with God. Our whole language is adapted around our names. When I look at my boys, I say, you're carrying my name. And that means something. I look at my daughters and I say, you're carrying my name until they get married and then they get some other name, but that's all right. It's a good name. <laughs> Luke, that's out to you. It, they, they, when they leave here and they encounter you or someone, they're carrying my name. And it's so important to me because I get this often, not, you know, when they're younger, I get this often when I'd see someone. I, I run into someone, they say, your, parent, your kids are so polite and, and, and they're just courteous. And I go, okay, my kids, first of all, because it shocked me because, you know, when they're around you, they're not as kind and gracious and as they, sorry kids. But when they're out there, if you train them right, sometimes they are. And it makes me proud as a father because it's my name. What's in a name? If you really want to understand the importance of the name, just ask an expectant mother. Oh, my gosh. Have you ever crossed an expectant number, mother? And they, they, a couple of ways you can go with this. One way you can go, hey, what, you, what are you going to name your baby? They're like, none of your business. We're keeping it a secret. You know that, mom? If there's any of those moms in there, God bless you. And then there's the other side. The other mom are like, what's your baby's name? And they come up with, you know, I don't even know, some crazy name. And, you're, you're, you know, they can just see your eyes cross and go, that's really nice. You know, and, 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 and they're like, it's a, you know, they started explaining and telling you why it has to be this name and all, you know. You talk to someone who's having a baby and you'll realize the importance of a name. It, it defines them. It, it, it identifies who they are. Your name is important. What I love about names is this, that they bring a smile, they bring peace, they bring security, they bring hope. When, when, when I say the name of Juliana, I just, I just, it just brings a smile to my face. Even when I'm not talking to you, I just, I'm talking to my wife or talking to someone, I just say, Juliana, 
And it, it, it's like, it's right there. There it is. There's a smile. When I say dad or Jim, I have this peace and security because this, this man brought peace and security into my life as I, grow, as I grew up. Do you see, see how names are attached and how important they are? Do you see, when I say Colton, you know, I say his name, I, I, I just, I think of, of just that, that strong, resilient man. And, and I love that. I could go through the whole room and just, but I'm not, so don't get offended this morning. Um, come, come on, lighten up, people. It's Christmas. I got, a, I got a couple jokes, at least laughed at the couple once. Names bring smiles. They bring peace. They bring security. They bring hope. But what about the name of Jesus? What about that name of Jesus that we read of, Yahweh, that we read of in the Bible? What about that name? You see, because the name of Jesus brings extraordinary hope. Look, the hope when I, when I yell out Eddie's name, and there's not an explicit in front of it, when I yell out, <laughs> when I yell out uh, Kenny's name or, or whoever's name out there, you know, it, it, like I said, it brings smile, it brings all those things, but it doesn't do what the name of Jesus does. See, because when I encountered this Jesus, when this Jesus changed my life, when, when I realized that I deserved hell and God gives me grace and I, I get eternal life, what happens now when I hear the name of Jesus, this extraordinary hope rises up in me. It's different. In my office, um, and in hockey I've done this too, the, the guys, you know, a lot of guys know the name of Jesus. It's just when they use the name of Jesus, it's connected to cursing. Here's what's unique about the name of Jesus. And I ask people this all the time who use the name of Jesus. I say, you know, they go, they say what they say. I go, why don't you say Buddha Dam? Why do you say Dam? Why don't you say Muhammad Dam? Why don't you say fill in the blank of all the other? It's always the name of God. It's always the name of Jesus because there's something in the name of Jesus that we see in this word. There's something in the name of Jesus that brings freedom. There's something in the name of Jesus that brings hope. There's something in the name of Jesus that changes the lives of men and women that no other name can do. The name of Jesus brings extraordinary hope just let's take a quick look at the Christmas story and we'll see if that is true. And I'm just abbreviating without using scriptures. Christmas story. An angel of the Lord comes down and tells Mary and Joseph, don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid. Mary, a young woman, pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's extraordinary. Now, this is even more extraordinary. A husband who believes the story. I mean, that's a miracle. That's, you know, one of the, the early miracles there. Really, Mary? But not only does the husband, Joseph, believe her, he takes her, he covers her, and loves her well. And, oh yeah, there's this little baby that is a promise, and that promise is that he will save the world. 
This, this is the Christmas story. This is an extraordinary story. If, if I just wrote this story in a novel, people would go, that, I can't believe that to be true. That there's no way that that ever happened. But when we look at it in the context of Scripture and the prophecies of Jesus and what he would do and when he'd be born, and we see historically that there was a man named Jesus who was born, crucified, dead, and rose again three days later, we see the true Savior. It's extraordinary hope that Jesus brings. Christmas time, we talked about this in the last couple of messages. Christmas time, you know, I was talking to Chris. We said this last night as we're running around crazily and trying to get things done. And we had our family Christmas dinner and we had all these things and going. And, and I said, I just can't wait till it's over. Is anybody, anybody go there or am I the only idiot that goes there? I'm, and, and, and I'm telling this to, confessing this to Chris. I'm like, I just, I just wish it was like Tuesday. And then, and then I stopped and thought, well, I'm completely missing what this is all about. And I'm allowing this stuff to dictate what's going on. As opposed to the extraordinary hope that came through this story. The extraordinary hope that I have. And many of us are, are struggling right now. Many of us may be struggling financially or in your relationship or your job or whatever it may be. I'm here to tell you today that, that Christmas is about this extraordinary hope that you have. And it's not about any of those things. And all those things that you packed into your backpack that you're carrying around that, that weigh you down. I'm telling you this Christmas, enter the story, take that off. And sit in the hope, the extraordinary hope of Jesus. Extraordinary hope. What does extraordinary hope mean? It's extra, it's extraordinary, it's new, it's different from what traditionally or ordinarily you walk in. What I'm asking, what I've asked the church to do, what this Bible asks the church, what Jesus asks us to do is to walk in the non-ordinary, but walk in the extraordinary, that which is tradition, throw out. In fact, what Jesus did, his harshest words for those who were stuck in these traditions, stuck in the religious ways, and his most gracious words, or for sinners, people like you and me. And he says, that hopelessness that you're holding on to, you don't have to. Because Jesus brings an extraordinary hope. Here's the problem with the church. And I say church, when, if, if you're new here, when you, when you say church, church is not a building. You know that? Church isn't a building. It's not four walls. We say church and we re refer to it as a building. But church is a collection of people. The church is, is a group of people that have come into a relationship with Jesus, that have an encounter with Jesus, and, 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 and they've, they've walked in this, this encounter with Jesus. But here's the problem with the people, the church, is we have made the name of Jesus ordinary. We, we, people look at the church, you and I, and they go, man, why would I want to follow your Jesus? Because we've made Jesus ordinary, like any other person. But someone please tell me what is ordinary about this word. 
Someone please tell me, show me what's ordinary about what Jesus did. Someone please tell me what's ordinary about a book that was written over about a 3,500-year period by 66 different authors and the congruency throughout, the, the over 1,500 prophetic words about Jesus. Someone tell me what's ordinary about that. Tell me what's ordinary about a book that has stood the, 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 the test of time. Someone tell me what's ordinary about a, a, a holy book that, that has introduced people to, to Jesus who has delivered them from whatever he has delivered them from. You see, because there's nothing ordinary about it. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And the Jesus that I've encountered is extraordinary Jesus. The Bible says this. It says, so that the name of Jesus, here it is, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, it's interesting because it doesn't say, what it doesn't say, it doesn't say every Christian will, uh, will bow down. It doesn't say every, every Christian will confess. It says every knee shall bow. Whether you believe Jesus is who he says he is, whether you believe God is who he says he is, the Bible says this, that each one of us, it, it also says we're appointed to die, that when we stand before God, that we will bow before him. Why is this scripture so extraordinary? It's not because there's bowing going on. It's not because there's, it's not that because, uh, uh, we all bow. See, you see, part of the issue with not seeing the power in the church, part of the issue that, that we don't see an extraordinary church is this. The church or the world is bowing down to power. I got to have more. I've got to be the man. I've got to be the woman. The, the world is, is always bowing down to youth, looking for the next thing. Ozempic. That's the hot one. Therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus for those who are in him. So if you're unobsempic, well, let's talk later. <laughs> We're always bowing to Instagram, to these phones, as we look at the, the lies in these phones of what family looks like, of what he looks like, of what she looks like, of what happiness looks like. We're bowing to a, a, a computer that is one big lie. The world's always bowing to political parties. If you're a Trumper or you're a Bidener, I don't even know if that's a word. If you're a, 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 a this or you're a CNN or a Fox or whatever. If it, we're bowing down to political parties. We bow down to houses and cars and we bow down to our addiction. So that, that it's not extraordinary to bow down. See, but here's the thing. The reason we bow down to these things is because we're not truly bowing down what God created us to bow down to. See, the reality is this. We're all created to bow down and worship. It's innately in each one of us. The question is, are you bowing to this or are we bowing to the creator of heaven and earth? And, and, and the problem with this is you look at some people and you go, they're really successful. I want to be like them. And we worship. And you go, oh, well, you didn't worship those guys. Have you ever been to a Lakers game? Yeah. 
They worship these guys. I don't know why they ever worship the Lakers, first of all. So secondly, <laughs> sorry, I've got a Lakers fan in here. We go to rock concerts and we go to sporting events and we worship. We're created to worship. We're just worshiping the wrong thing. What's extraordinary is that in the Bible, and the Bible says that you and I, every man, woman, and child, will bow to the name of Jesus. Like it or not, forced or humble, we'll bow before Jesus. Not only that, but it says every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Even, which this blows my mind, even if you don't believe in Jesus, when we sit before Jesus, it says we will confess that he is Lord. That's extraordinary hope. Look, what I love about Easter is, is not that I'm sitting in the car with my wife going, I wish this day would get, just be over and we'd be Tuesday and beyond this. It's that when I stop and I think about the gift that we talked about of God's grace that changed my life, that's what Christmas is all about. You know what Christmas is all about? Christmas is all about the fact that we were sitting with 10 of us last night, all of our kids and, our, and grandkids, and, and, and we're having dinner together, and, and we're laughing, and, and we're talking about life, and we're loving one another, and, and all of us having this common grace that we've experienced through our relationship with Jesus. You want to talk about a good Christmas is being able to sit at the table with your family, and, and, and you share a common grace. We have an always been able to share that common grace at the table that we ate with all of our children. But last night we sat at this table and we shared in this common grace that came through Jesus. Extraordinary hope. Regardless of what's going on out there, regardless of the difficulties, extraordinary hope. So why are so many of us living the ordinary? You know the ordinary. And here it is. Here's the ordinary. Thanksgiving, turkey, Christmas lights, Christmas tree, Christmas shopping, Christmas party, a little Jesus in there, football, New Orleans Saints losing again, wrap, <laughs> wrapping presents, Amy Grant on XM Radio, fight for, with our spouse a little too much, eggnog on Christmas Eve service, don't go too long, Pastor, which I probably am, a little more Jesus Christmas morning, rip open the gifts, big uh, Christmas dinner, food coma nap, repeat next year. That, that's, that's ordinary. And we're going to do all those things. But not at the expense of the extraordinary. Not at the expense of the extraordinary. The baby Jesus that came to worship was anything but ordinary. The baby Jesus that the, the wise men came and, and gave to were anything but ordinary. And he has called us to live extraordinary lives. Anyone who is living an ordinary Christian life isn't encountering Jesus each and every day. One of the things that we talk about in this church is that, that, that gosh, we, we encounter this word each day. We worship each day. We fellowship with other Christians each day. See, that's living an extraordinary life. See, because you know what that allows me to do? Sit in the middle of the most difficult and make it to the next day. What it allows me to do is know who I am, to grow in who Christ has called me to be. 
we encounter the extraordinary power when we encounter the name of Jesus. We encounter the extraordinary power when we encounter the name of Jesus. Romans 10.9 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, says you will be saved. You will encounter that grace. You will experience the grace of God so that you might have a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. It's extraordinary power when we encounter the name of Jesus. I don't know that everybody in here has encountered that name of Jesus in that way. Maybe, maybe not. The Bible also says this, that today is the day of salvation. And if you have not encountered Jesus in that way, it says this, as we said, if you confess with your mouth that this Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that he raised from the dead, it says you will be saved. We encounter the extraordinary power in the name of Jesus when we worship and praise. When we worship and praise. When we do what Joe and the worship team led us into. But that's only one aspect of worship and praise. When you sit in your dinners the next night or two, when, you are, when you're with the families, when you're doing what you do, how do you encounter Jesus? You encounter Jesus through worship and prayer. You encounter Jesus through worship and praise. That's how I act with my family members. That's the hope that I sit in. That's the place where your family member looks at you and goes, I know he or she is going through something different. How come they're so happy? How come they have such contentment in their life? That's worship. That's praise. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives. So why is the name of Jesus above every name? Because he gives us an extraordinary life through his name. Acts 4.12 says this, And there is salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given by among men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus above every name. The name of Jesus, the name above names. The name of Jesus, the name in which I call upon for life. The name of Jesus is the name I call upon for hope. The name of Jesus is the name that brings peace in the midst of the chaos. The name of Jesus is the name that saved me and brought grace into my life that I might be married to this woman, that I might have these kids that I have. It's the grace of God that I'm standing before you here right now. I am a, I am a dumb old hockey player that cheated his way through college. <laughs> Sorry, academic people. I wasn't there to, to go to college. And God took this cheater and he gave him grace. And my life's never been the same. My life's never been the same. That's extraordinary hope. That's the hope I have for my children. It's the hope I have for my grandchildren. It's the hope I have for my church. It's the hope I have for those God calls me to encounter. How do we do this Christmas Day? 
I just want to give you a practical way. Enter the story this Christmas. Enter the extraordinary story of Jesus. And one of the practical ways we do this, and, and uh, we've talked about this throughout the weeks in church, and you'll see behind your chairs are these cards. If you would uh, like, this is one of the ways we want you to take them home with you, and they're for your families. And one of the, the things that Chris and I have done for years is with our family, before we do anything on Christmas morning, which took a, a little discipline early on because they just want to rip through presents and see what Santa brought. And I think uh, most of my kids real well, uh, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, you know where I was going. Shoo, I forgot. We got a mixed room in here. Santa will be here tonight. Come on, Santa. Um, but the first thing we do when we wake up in the morning is we go, Jesus first. Jesus first. First thing first, Jesus. And everybody, and I've talked about it, so if you're in my church, bear with me, but everybody jumps into our bed. And uh, the first thing we do is, is, is we give thanks. And then these cards, I mean, there's nothing big about them, you know. But, but what it does is it sets our mind straight. It says, this isn't about the presence. Because you know what? On Tuesday, on Wednesday, all those presents and stuff, now you're thinking about back to work, flying home, all that stuff. But this extraordinary hope, it goes with me. So that morning when we get up tomorrow morning, we only have, I don't know if we'll anybody be there now, but they're all leaving. But when we get up tomorrow morning, the first thing we'll do is we'll go through this and we'll read a scripture. And as painful as it is, because it is painful in my home, we'll sing a song. <laughs> it is painful, but it's a joyful noise to the Lord. It's not like, <laughs> I wish I could sing. We read a Christmas story, we sing a song, we receive communion as a family. And... Uh, we honor Jesus first. We honor Jesus first. And the reason we honor him first is because he's given us an extraordinary life. And out of that extraordinary life comes extraordinary hope. And as Joe and the worship team comes up, I, I just want to encourage you in that this morning. I want to encourage you in that extraordinary hope that any hopelessness you've experienced, any hopelessness that you're walking, any hopelessness that, that maybe 2023 has, has brought your way, any hopelessness you have for your children, any hopelessness you have in your job or your relationships, that, that this God that we serve, this Jesus, brings extraordinary hope. And let me give a, a, a caveat here, because it doesn't mean that a lot of those things go away. We're not selling Jesus. Come on down here and give your life to Jesus and everything will be great. <laughs> you know what Jesus has done in my life in the midst of difficulty? He brought people into my life who brought, who brought me peace. He brought men and women in my life who stood next to me and said, we can do this. He brought many of you into our life, lives that walked with us through the difficulty. See, that's the extraordinary hope of Jesus. And I pray for that for you this Christmas season.
I pray that you would experience that this Christmas. Enter the story. Enter the story the next couple of days and see what God might do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time, for these men and women, these children, Father, that we can worship together as families, Father God. God, I just, I'm so grateful to your, you and the extraordinary hope that you have given me, each one of us. God, the peace that you bring in the midst of the storm, the hope that you bring in the midst of the storm, that hope is that one day I will stand with you. And your word says in Revelation, there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. It'll be as you meant it to be. But until that day, I want to love you, Jesus. God, let us in this Christmas season, God, let us enter the story and, and Lord, bring hope into our families. God, let us enter the story and, and bring peace into our families. God, let us enter the story and bring your love. Father, we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. You know, this is the time that we receive communion as a church, and it's a holy moment. As the Bible says this, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, it says he took the bread and he broke it. And he says, eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the wine that represented the blood of Jesus. And he said, when you drink this, he, said, he says, remember me and what I did for you on the cross. And as you come, and we have communion, it's a little different because we're usually about half this crowd, but thank you for coming on Christmas. Easter's only a few weeks away or months away. Um, but but we, have, we have communion stations to the right, the left, and in the back. I, we got big bread in communion this morning. I guess we were being real generous, so I, I don't feel like you have to have all that bread. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I've never seen that before. All right. Um, but what we do is we have a, a, a family communion, and we just allow you to go and receive with your family as the worship team leads. But what I ask is this. Communion is, is when we come into relationship with Jesus, we come and receive communion as a remembrance of who he is and what he did. And before you receive this morning, that you would examine your heart. And just look in your heart and go, okay, God, what are you doing down there in this crazy place? For some of us, maybe you just need to repent. For some of us, maybe it's just God help me. But for all of us, it's an acknowledgement of who he is and what he did some 2,000 years ago that I might have hope, that you might have hope. So as you receive, let's take this moment as it is, a holy moment, and receive. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus, that gave his life that we might have life. Lord, as we come and we receive the elements this morning, God, I pray that Lord, we'd examine our hearts. God, we love you and we say thank you. Thank you for this Christmas season. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the extraordinary hope you give us. In your precious name we pray. Amen.